Welcome to Alphabet Fight, your encyclopedic journey through the Marvel Universe where we learn about every character you know and love and forgotten along the way. I'm your temporary host, Jordan, and with me is one uh, mo- heavy metal of a man, Tim? Hello. I was just going to <laughs> sit there a little longer and let you flounder, but I decided not to be that way and to help instead. Thank you. You're very welcome. Uh, That's the least I could do. So today we're going to be talking about Molten Man. Molten Man. Yes, do you know who Molten Man is? Do you know the Molten Man? The Molten Man? The Molten Man? Do you know the Molten Man? Molten Man? And no, I don't. No. Okay, so... I'm guessing he has something to do with melting. He's he's. Is this a character from it's... Kablam? <laughs> oh no! It would be nice if if Meltman was an actual Marvel character. <laughs> no, but this is—it's uh, actually a little bit misnomer because this is what he normally looks like. Well, up until recently, mm. he has had a molten form, though, like where it, he is—it looks like he is slightly melting and on fire. Mm, very goopy. Look, is he supposed to look kind of like Colossus? Yeah, he's actually, he has like a metal alloy skin at this point. So like, he's he's like hardened metal. But he has a more molten look like in, I think it's, what is this? Amazing Spider-Man number 133? That's an old one right there. Yeah. But this is, this is like the, uh, one of his second but major appearances. And I've seen this cover before. I don't know how, if it's iconic, but it is kind of iconic to me because I've just, uh, I've, uh, you know, like learned a lot about Spider-Man at, at one point, and I saw this image a lot in like history of Spider-Man and and learning about him and stuff. But um, it's it's uh, basically a fiery dude fighting Spider-Man up like off. Uh, as he's like throwing him off the top of a train, as like onlookers in the train are look horrified. And um, just so you know, this dude appears to be butt ass naked. Yeah, he it's it's like it's like uh, Colossus filed his costume is like he has he might have those little spandex uh, speedos on, but we can't tell. Yeah, I certainly hope so, so we don't have anything <laughs> untoward happening down south. Maybe that's not why that one woman's gasping underneath him. Maybe. He's packing schmeat. <laughs> Alright, so let's go over his uh, character statistics here. His real name is Mark Raxton. His occupation is former laboratory assistant, now professional criminal. His identity is publicly known. Legal status is a citizen of the United States with a criminal record. Uh, has no other known aliases, and his place of birth is New York City, New York. His marital status is single, and his known relatives are Mr. Raxton, first name unrevealed, his father, who's deceased, Mrs. Allen, first name unrevealed, stepmother, Elizabeth Liz Allen Osborne, stepsister, Harry Osborne, stepbrother-in-law, and Norman Normie Osborne, nephew. So he's actually part of the uh, Osborne family. Ah, he married in. 
Uh, his sister did. So he's like uncle to uh, the youngest normie Osborne kid, kid. Which I kind of enjoyed because in later issues, like I said, like they brought him back after, like this one only has up to a certain point, but he, they brought him back later. And he's played a very nice, like a very caring uncle and, and you know, like good everyday family man to, to Liz Allen. So like considering how crazy the Oz has, you know, how Osborne in with all the green goblin stuff that has happened to her, having someone there that, uh, is also like gone through crazy, but also there to help. is kind of nice, you know? Now I'm not real familiar with any of the Osborne's <laughs> except Norman and Harry. Okay. Well, yeah, so like the back and forth, the back and forth between Harry, uh, you know, trying to take up the mantle as Green Goblin after his father and Norman coming back from the dead at times and stuff like that and all that, that it gets it gets crazy. So, <laughs> a- anything that can basically be stable in 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 their lives probably is good. I can imagine. Uh, group affiliation: former partner of Spencer Smith who will mention why that name is important in his history, by the way. Uh, base of Operations, New York City. And his first appearance was actually in Amazing Spider-Man number 28, which, uh, let me get you the cover of that, because that is actually, it's a very striking comic cover. And um, I think it's a Ditko uh, uh, yeah. oh, cover. Wow. Let me just check. Yes, Steve Ditko. Uh, would you like to describe it? Because it's, it's, um, pretty, it's pretty great. Um, yes, so, in the cover... It appears that they are fighting in pit. They're fighting in pitch darkness. All you can see of Spider-Man is the red outline of the webs on his costume, and all you can see of Molten Man is an eerie glow off parts of his body as he reflects what little light there is. It's very, it's very, very interesting looking. Yeah, and uh, the cover coffee is kind of nice too. It's, uh, it says here. Cloaked in darkness, Spidey, Spidey faces the mysterious menace of the Molten Man. This came out in 1965, so he's been around for a while. Goodness. That's a very early Spider-Man villain. Yep. They've, they've this, brought him back quite a few times. Does he? Does this predate the Green Goblin? Because they're only like two years into Spider-Man on this one. Even from his very first begin- from beginning, he has been connected to Liz Allen. Like, So they've, they've been like, you know relatives so i don't think at this point uh the green goblin had done much if at if it had done anything but the fact that eventually like uh harry osborne you know the son of the green goblin eventually became involved and married liz allen brought him into the whole goblin thing eventually as a huge part just just from a bent of uh being around like they kept the fact they just like whether they planned it or not, they kept the continuity. Like they didn't bother to retcon it or anything. Dang. So he's so it's kind of like one of those like, well, we made this thing and I guess we're sticking to it, and they stuck to it. Oh wow! I'm, I was looking it up about uh, the Green Goblin. He mm-hmm. Green Goblin is introduced in epi- issue fourteen of Amazing Spider-Man. Okay, but- so yeah, it's not it's not too far. I mean, it is. Maybe like a year's worth at What's most. What's interesting is the the first major villain introduces Dr. Octopus in issue number three. I did not <laughs> know that. Okay, so let me go over his history here. 
Uh, while working as an assistant to the inventor Spencer Smith, Mark Raxton, um, Mark Raxton argued with him over a joint project which they had been working uh, had been working. The project involved a liquid metal alloy which they derived from a meter con- containing organic matter. Although Smith had supplied all the funding and equipment, and the whole idea for the project was his, Raxton wanted to sell his his share in the ven- venture to the highest bidder. When Smith tried to stop him physically, Raxton struck him unconscious but lost his balance in doing so and fell. A sample of the liquid metal alloy emptied over his body and absorbed into his skin, giving him a yellowish metallic appearance as well as superhuman strength. Oh, I, th- I thought they mentioned it. Spencer Smith is the guy who created the Spider Slayers, by the way. So I thought I thought it mentioned here. It might not in- right away, but... So he basically was one of those... He was just like a general like scientist guy that popped up now and again in spider-man's life uh jay jonah jonason even like hired him once to create spider slayers uh so this, um, this is like they're tying t- things to spider-man like off the bat already can you can you lay some knowledge on me about the spider slayers uh yes the spider slayers okay so basically uh <laughs> so basically at one point um Jonah Jameson was like, well, I have money, and I really, really hate Spider-Man, so why don't I just actually hire someone to help me kill Spider-Man? A perfectly normal thing to do. Yeah, this is actually how the Scorpion came to be in in Spider-Man comics, but one of the things he did was that he got Alistair and uh, Spencer Smith to help, help create robots that basically he could remotely control to try and fight Spider-Man and destroy him. And, I mean, it failed quite a few times to the point that uh, it became a sent- uh It kind of, like, became a obsession for Spencer to try and kill Spider-Man. And he modified and tried it many, many times. And, like I said, like, in, uh... Because of, like, in the uh, Spider-Man universe and stuff like that, he was... He just became, like, known as a really good roboticist. So sometimes people would hire him to just make more robots. And uh, a lot of times the people said, well, yeah, his spider... Like, villains were like, well, the spider slayer didn't work this time, but it came close, so maybe if we give him more money, the next one will do it. Yeah. (laughs) Lord, this plan that didn't work has, has failed 15 times. I'm sure the 16th time is the charm. Give this man an extra billion dollars. So... Yeah, so the Spider Slayers are basically just a bunch of robots that he kept trying to make again and again to to kill him. You think he would give up after a while, but I guess gotta keep that <laughs> money rolling in. Yeah, uh, the funniest thing though is that uh, one of the 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 very first like early designs of them uh, <laughs> had like a very had specifically a remote TV on the face so that J-, J Jonah could watch what was happening as well as taunt Spider Man with it. <laughs> That's incredible. I I love this. Yeah, like I love the height of pride in this. Like, yes, not only do I want to beat up and capture and kill Spider-Man, but I want to be able to see it directly with the robot that I'm using to do it. I want J- J- Jonah's like, I want to see the life go out of his eyes. It's not good unless I can watch. And we're gonna record it so I have pictures. I need those pictures of Spider-Man. Those moving pictures of Spider-Man. God. Any, anyway, so back to back to the Molten Man and who, who we're actually talking about. 
啊。Dubbing himself the Molten Man, Raxton embarked on a career of criminal activity, which brought him into conflict with the costume crime fighter Spider-Man on numerous occasions. During their first encounter, the Molten Man learned that Spider-Man's webbing could not stick to his slick skin. Spider-Man could only defeat him by ensnaring his wrists and ankles in extra thick ropes of webbing. Sometime later, the liquid metal coating that coated the Molten Man's skin began to re- react with his body, changing his metabolism. What was once simply a metal coating actually became part of his skin, while his body temperature rose to well over 300 degrees Fahrenheit and his own skin was in danger of melting. He also Ouch. became considerably stronger. During his lengthy jail sentence, he spent much of his time in a hospital where the doctors diagnosed he was suffering from radiation poisoning, but no cure for his condition was found. Upon her graduation from high school, Mark Raxson's stepsister, Liz Allen, took a job as a nurse to be near him and tried to help him if she could. To keep him, uh, to keep him from learning about his condition, the hospital staff affixed an obestos mask to the Molten Man's face. For months, Liz was the only person Raxson saw. Because he was a prisoner, he was kept isolated from other per- patients in the hospital, and the mask only increased his bitterness. Soon, Raxon began to rage, attacking first Liz and then an intern. He finally removed his mask, thus learning of his metabolic transformation. The molten man conducted a desperate escape from the hospital so that he could use his scientific knowledge to cure himself. Because, do remember, he does have, like, actually, like, you know, chemistry backgrounds and stuff like that. Despite the fact that he... His molten body makes him look like a jock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's buff. For a nerd, he's yeah. very buff. To do so, he had to steal some meteor fragments from the American Museum of Natural History and the Science Museum, which contained the same radioactive isotopes as the original meteor to recreate the alloy. Spider-Man foiled this ploy, and the Molten Man wound up in Manhattan's East River. However, the pollutants in the body of water temporarily reversed his body's deterioration. <laughs> I'm sorry, I forgot about that. Pollution saved him! <laughs> Yeah, yay pollution. <laughs> Breaking into the Fenster Pharmaceutical Comp- Corporation laboratories, the Molten Man th- threatened to burn the face off of a lab technician unless she prepared the chemicals he needed since he had become too hot to handle the delicate ingredients himself. The technician then injected the serum into the Molten, into the molten Man. Miraculously, his epidermal temperature fell and the liquid metal alloy synthesoid in his, in his skin melted away. But Raxon only remained human for a few seconds as the reaction shortly reversed itself. The situation caused the last few vestiges of rationality to snap in Raxton's mind, and he went crazy. Basically, he just actually just got really pissed off, if you ask me, but yeah, yeah he, he just went on a rampage. Uh, speaking, uh, seeking out Liz, the only person who ever tried to help him, the Molten Man went berserk when she, too, turned away from, uh, from him, yelling that his death would mean nothing, uh, would mean nothing if she was not with him. The entire laboratory exploded from the Molten Man's intense heat. Again, the chemicals housed in the laboratory com- combined with his molten flesh and kept him alive in a state of suspended animation. Months later, the Molten Man resurfaced at the same site, upon which the Losada Medical Center had been built. He burned the unopened hospital to the ground before seeking out Liz and her new husband, Harry, at their suburban home in Inglewood, New Jersey. Ah, yeah. But once again, Spider-Man's intervention, as well as the aid from the Osborne's neighbors, put an end to the Molten Man's threat by knocking him into the Osborne's pool. The Molten Man's intense heat caused all the water in the pool to change into steam, but the supervillain's skin lost its molten properties and reverted back to its original metallic state. The Molten Man is now incarcerated at the Superhuman Prison Project in the Colorado Rockies known as the Vault. Whether the Molten Man's condition has stabilized remains to be seen. So yeah, that's 
at this point in the 89 episode, that's all they had. But the thing is, like I said, they brought him back a lot. Eventually, Liz and with Harry's help as well, they helped him got out of the vault. Like, they rehabilitated him. He became, uh, I mean, he still had superpowers, but he became like a, uh, like a former criminal turned, uh, rogue slash henchman of Spider-Man's ga- of gallery of friends and foes. Uh, he appeared a couple of times. He's helped Spider-Man since then, actually, as well. And he worked at, uh, the chemical company, I think it's called Alchemex. That, um, Alchemex. Yeah, that, uh, that the Osborns uh, and eventually Liz uh, became head of, you know, or head of and stuff like that. I'm, he's sometimes like, you know, at one point uh, there was like a project that both Alchemex and Parker Industries, because this is when at one point when Par- Peter Parker actually did good business sense, uh, tried to cr- uh, try to build something new. Like he and uh, Tiberius Stone had used like the connections he had to get the ghosts to sabotage uh, Parker Industries. Like, so he, he's not above still doing occasional things, but he's not as, like, he's not evil anymore so much as that he's just trying to stay ahead and stick with his family. He's cutthroat. A little bit, yeah. And like I said, like, he's since since then, he's become, like, uh, you know, like a good uncle to, to uh, Normie and, and, like, and brother to Liz. So, like, he's still kind of, like, protective of them. There's been a few times when um, that has been played against him, where, like, villains have, like, well, we'll, we'll hurt uh, Normie and, and Liz if you don't do what we say and force them to be a villain. But it usually, usually, you know, Spider-Man helps him out then. But as as it is, he, he like I said, like, he's become pretty, uh, like, a pretty nice, like, uh, extra f- to the Spider-Man universe. Mm, very interesting. It's, ni- it's nice to see the lesser the somewhat lesser known villains yeah his height is six feet five inches his weight is 550 pounds which i'm guessing is all that metal heavy boy (laughs) his eyes are gold hair is gold skin is gold i'm getting the feeling this guy is golden (laughs) the molten man possesses superhuman strength enabling him to lift or press approximately 40 tons under optimum conditions Known superhuman abilities. The Molten Man's skin is composed of a frictionless metal that allows him to slip from any grasp and prevents even Spider-Man's webbing from adhering to him. His skin also makes him impervious to most forms of conventional injury, including resistance to high-caliber bullets, large detonations, and external temperatures up to 500 degrees Fahrenheit for sustained periods of time. One quick question, though. Yes? If he's made of frictionless metal, how does he walk? Or, or not slide everywhere. I think it's basically like he, especially now, like he actually he actually doesn't have the metal skin. I think he actually was able to like kind of change it, or like he he can turn up the heat, which is why he was able to be like molten state. Uh-huh. So maybe that's how he does. But that also means that when he walks around, he pretty much tears up the asphalt because he's melting it as he yeah. walks. Oh no, no! If he puts on shoes and like if they're tight and like close enough, like that at least will give him friction. He just doesn't have to walk on his feet. Yeah, he probably probably would have a hell of a time on the beach uh, with yeah. no, without sandals. He's just making just every footstep <laughs> leaves glass behind. <laughs> uh, in his molten stage, the molten man can radiate a heat up to three hundred degrees Fahrenheit in temperature and severely burn a person or object through his touch. He also emits harmful radiation while in this form. 
Uh, the Molten Man's metallic fingers are sensitive to the sound of metal tumblers and many safe locks, making him an expert safe cracker. I love that little thing. It's like, oh, yeah, that's and also so he cool. knows how to crack safes. <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's everything about the Molten Man. What do, what do you think? That's pretty cool. This is a character I had not actually heard of, and I bet a lot of the listeners haven't either, unless they're, like, knee-deep in this stuff. Yeah, like, I only found out about him uh, when I was reading a st- stint of... Uh, of like Spider-Man comics that had um, like the return of the goblin or something like that. And had a thing with there where Normie and Liz and, and Mark were all together there. Like I saw that and I'm like, who is this person? And I actually did a deep dive at that time. Like it was a little harder, but I was able to find some information about him. Thanks to like, you know, comic cards and, and knowing comic people. And I, it was like, it was really neat to like, oh, hey, so he's been around for a while and here he is in, in these comics. So it's nice to see that, you know, especially with Spider-Man, like they're very good at like bringing back old characters or keeping characters around, like, or keeping basically a continuity of, yeah, these people have been with Peter Parker around all, all kinds of times. So like every once in a while, you might just bump into another one. That's what I think the comics do a lot better than the films. Yeah. Like- the comics usually the villain doesn't die. They're they're just captured or otherwise hindered for a while. So yeah, that you and can I do more stories with them. In uh, Homecoming, like the Vulture didn't die, so they yeah. kind of did leave it leave it open that they could do a Sinister Sixth with him because and be... he is one of the founding like or he is one of the he's been one of the members in one of the incarnations of it. Man, can I gush about Far From Home? Yeah. God, the the scene where he's playing with Peter's mind has some of the most one of the some of the most interesting imagery I've ever seen in a superhero film. I think the only yeah. one that's come close is Doctor Strange with the bizarre journey to the center of the mind he takes after he's tapped by the ancient one. Yeah, because I I just they they pl- like he plays on. Was fun, what I love about the this is that he's playing on illusions that he basically making on the that he made on the fly from reading peter like everything that he uses is just stuff that he knows about him yeah it's cold cold reading <laughs> yeah like pulling that like pulling up like the the iron man you know zombie thing like that is just from him knowing and talking with him and realizing how much of a figure in his life tony stark was like he didn't like he this is all this is like like one of the things that i really liked about him was how much of a showman and cerebral like manipulator that he was yeah jake gyllenhaal is just incredible in that film he's so good yeah then then at the end of that sequence the it's punctuated by peter gets hit by a train and nearly dies (laughs) yeah like peter's like really messed up he's severely injured yeah though i guess that actually that's that is an interesting thing to point out that an incoming train doesn't kill spider-man nearly does but he actually survived being hit by a train yeah that's the uh wow <laughs> and that i like that that peter is completely weak to these illusions he can't initially tell them that they're not reality because mm-hmm. they're getting so in his head but when he finally does realize that it's all mm-hmm. an illusion and he opens his mind he can access the spider sense, and he just absolutely wrecks Mysterio. Yeah, 
Yeah, that was that was the other thing I loved when he you when he did the spire using the spire sense to fight around illusions. Yeah, the way uh, that the way that they portray that in the film is wonderful. Yeah. He unlocked he unlocked Ultra Instinct. <laughs> <laughs> but uh I think Jesse mentioned it too, like just the casual where they actually mentioned that Spider Man is like super strong like you just have these other guys who are always around at full power that you don't realize it like the fact that the train didn't kill him is is one example of like he is actually much tougher than you thought than you and, thought like that, he looks from what i've been told in a in one of the in one of the superior spider-man comics where otto uh octavius has taken control of peter parker's body yeah he punches a villain and basically Punch, I think he like punches the dude's some part of the dude's body clean off. Yeah, like he didn't realize that he he had like, the oh, punches. Like he's like he, he realizes, oh shit, Peter Parker could have killed me at any time. Like, yeah. He could have punched my guts out. Yeah, and and uh, Jesse has pointed this out a few times, but in uh, I think it's Civil War when he's fighting Bucky. And Bucky throws it like throws his metal arm like right at his head, and he just catches it, he's and like, it's just Whoa, look- dude, is that a real yeah, like, arm? Yeah, and he's like playing with it like it's nothing. It's uh, like one of those so subtle cool. like, yeah, it's like one of those subtle like, oh my god, how strong is he? Moments that that some that you realize only a- that sometimes you either realize then, but or after the fact, and it's just amazing when you think about it. It's like Spider Man is very much in that same world is like superman is that like if he doesn't control himself very tightly he could just absolutely destroy everything he loves yeah which again like it's it's only it only like kind of goes over people's head because you have people like thor and and captain america and and hulk who are already there and who don't have restraints so they're always just fully destroying everything so you don't really have the context of what he's actually pulling back like captain america is strong yeah he's as strong as a as a human being could hope to achieve without being like superhuman but Mm -hmm. then you compare that to spider-man spider-man is on like an entirely different level well, Spider-Man is, yeah. I think, according to, the, like, I think in the new rankings, like the 1 to 7 scale for power, Spider-Man is like a 5 or a 6 in strength. He's obscenely yeah. strong. He can lift, yeah. like, 100 tons above his head. <laughs> well, I think that's enough gushing about Spider-Man for now, so yeah. is there any anything you'd like to plug? Uh, yes. It's, it's a... It's a different kind of fantasy for this one i've been listening to a podcast called the shrieking shack it's a harry potter podcast for lapsed fans uh they just recently went on hiatus after finishing all the books but you should check them out they're they're leftist they read come at it from a perspective of man this book sure was something wasn't it and (laughs) They're like their whole motto is like, please read another book. Uh, yeah. Their their Patreon has a lot of extra content on it. That's at patreon.com slash shriekcast. It's pretty good. They're very funny. 
That's all I okay. really wanted to say about them. Okay. And once again, I'll uh, I'll just plug our uh, social media and such. Uh, you can find us at Alphabet Flight, all one word, at Twitter or Instagram. Uh, we have a Facebook group, which, because I'm silly, I named the HodgePod group. But if you do any search on Facebook for Alphabet Flight, you'll you'll be likely to find it. Uh, and we also have a Patreon, which, you know, every little bit helps. It helps, uh, uh, well, recently it helped Jesse <laughs> rebuild his computer, but it also will help us, uh, you know, work towards getting you more episodes and maybe bonus episodes. In this capitalist hell world, we've all got to help each other. <laughs> so, yeah. please, give what you can. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that'll be everything, so... May Khonshu protect you in all your night travels. Goodbye. Bye-bye.